Every podcast episode starts with you awkwardly laughing at me and waiting for me to start talking. Yeah. Everyone. It's kind of the thing. It's an overdone shtick. All right. Can we do something else? Sure. What would you like to do? Welcome to Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega, Alabama. I'm Heath Walton, Associate Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega. Thank you all for listening and uh, for participating in our social media stuff, like the five of you that did that. If you're listening and didn't share our post, why not? You could have gotten a sticker. And, um, and two books. Yeah, I ended up giving out a bunch of stickers. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, next time, share the post and I'll send you a sticker. Yeah, next time, uh, we have some other books in line and, and some other things that we'd like to give away. So. And stickers. Also, and stickers. we're going to be re-releasing some of the t-shirts here pretty soon, so watch out for those. Yes. Uh, you're wearing one today? I am. I'm not. It was not a, like, fashion choice. This was, I forgot we had men's group this morning and just grabbed a shirt that looked like it wasn't too wrinkled. Seems to be a trend. Yeah. Which is an interesting segue, but we can't get to a segue yet because first one of us has to ask. So I'll ask, "What does FC?" Well, stand? I was going to. What does the started, FC stand for today? You started. Talking I got it about, out first, and so now you have to answer. You have to come up with something. What does the FC stand for today? Um, faithful communication. Why? Because it's fatherly communication. <laughs> Why? Because we're talking about prayer. All right. So that's the uh, earlier kerfuffle um, segues into. Um, prayer because we meet every Thursday morning for prayer, a group of us, and uh, every Thursday morning you seem to forget. And so we're going to talk about how important prayer is to you. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Um, uh, I will say this. Um, some of you may think that Robert's being mean. No, he's got quite a legit point. I do forget every week that we meet on Thursdays. Thank you, Summer. Luckily, you live right across the parking lot and can get here post haste. Yes, I can. All right. So I know we talked about we've talked about several times now, just sort of in casual conversation. You even mentioned this morning uh, that the Lord's really been dealing with you about prayer and about the seriousness of prayer uh, at the local church level in ministry, etc. Um, so let, let's start there. Um, All right. Talk a little bit about that. Well, mostly that was, um, you know, I'd, I'd already been. I'll just say this. I've never met anyone who wished they prayed less. Does that make sense? Um, and, and that's where I found myself was I wished that I was praying more, um, which is which is a good thing, you know, but it also does reveal that uh, maybe you're not spending uh, the time you ought to be spending in prayer. And many times when that ends up happening, I find myself relying far too much on my own abilities uh, to carry out ministry and, and about my own planning and about my own, you know, just scheming is what it really boils down to because it usually doesn't turn out well when I'm trying to do things just all on my own. Um, and then that coupled with, you know, things going on around in, the, in our country, things going on um, in other countries, just sort of it really hit home all at one moment that, you know what, I need to be praying more. Um, and so I've been utilizing our prayer room at the church a little bit more and just taking some time to go in there and, and spend time there. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's really what it boils down to is I've felt more conviction over not praying enough, which I still don't know what enough is if you're supposed to be praying 
you know, at all times. So, yeah, so that's where we find ourselves, and that's what we're going to be discussing today is prayer. Yeah, I think, um, I know Vody Bauckham uses an illustration about, um, oh, what was the owner of Chrysler? He was really famous in the 80s. I've lost his name. Anyway, he's very, very wealthy, and he has a famous answer for how much money is enough, and his answer is just a little bit more. And I think that's that could certainly be said of, of prayer, as you said. How much is enough? Uh, more. More than you're doing now, always. Yes. Um, so maybe, maybe let's start with, um, you've already mentioned some of the results. You think of that, that you end up sort of in, in sort of the self-dependent mode. Um where do we want to go next? What does that look like? What does not praying enough look like in, in your daily life? And, and maybe that's a weird question to ask, so so I'll answer first. I think for me, a lot of times, I give myself more credit for prayer than I'm actually doing. Yeah. Um, I, I think I sort of give myself credit for prayer when I have a prayerful attitude or when I'm doing generally spiritual things. Yeah. But listening to worship music while I work in my office is not prayer. No, it's not. And studying the scriptures, preparing to preach or for any other reason, while critically important and a central aspect of what I do as a pastor, um, is also not prayer. Mm-hmm. Preaching and preparing to preach and studying to preach and sh- studying to show myself approved, all that is good and important and critical to what I do, but that's study. That's not prayer. Yeah. Um, I think that sometimes even happens in my personal quiet time. Uh, it was interesting in our, in our prayer group this morning, uh, one of the brothers said, because we come together and we discuss a book for about 45 minutes and we save ourselves uh, about 20 minutes to then pray. So it's 40 and 20. So it's we break up the hour. And, um, we have, you know, have set an alarm on on my phone, so we're we're gonna pray for at least twenty minutes, and oftentimes it goes over. But what has happened more often than not, as of late, is that we get so caught up in our book discussion that we refuse to stop the discussion, and we maybe end up asking one person to pray real quick at the end, and we call that having a a meeting of prayer amongst these brothers, and it's not. We've had a yeah. book club, which is great. <laughs> I mean, I think we're having really important discussions about the life of the church and the ministry of the church and all those things. I don't want to discount that. But he was right. We meet together to pray, and then as of late, we we haven't prayed as much as we committed to praying. Yeah. And so we made a special effort, of course, to, to make sure we heeded that alarm today and stopped our discussion and moved into a time of prayer. Um, but that triggered in my mind, even as he was saying that, that sometimes I do the same thing even in my personal quiet time, if I'm honest. And that is that I... You know, the reading of the Word, there are two things I need to be doing in my quiet time. Namely, I need to be reading and praying. And and I think journaling goes along with that, but that journaling sort of facilitates the two. But I find that a lot of times I use up all that time reading, which is tremendously important. You, you can't have personal study in God's Word without study of the Word. You need to be reading, and you need to be reading a lot. But I think sometimes I give myself credit for praying when all I've actually done is read, and hopefully read prayerfully and read reflectively, and those are good things, but to stop and pray for the day, I don't do. Um, I pray in the shower. I think most, a lot of a lot of Christian people do that. That's what you think. But 
I um I even find that that half the time is more worrying about my day than it is praying about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think that there's a fairly general trend, which is sad. I, I'm, you know, I'm feeling conviction as I'm saying these things. I'm not. Please don't hear me like bragging or saying you know that this is not how things should be. And I, I'm agreeing with you know your your overall premise. Um, we don't pray as often as we should. We should always pray more than we are praying. And I think, I know at least for me, maybe I'm the only person, but I think sometimes I give myself more credit for prayer than I'm actually doing. Well, I think that that actually happens a lot in churches in general. Um, is we give ourselves credit for things like, as I'll mention in just a minute, uh, that quote that kind of owned me yesterday, but we give ourselves uh, a lot more credit when it comes to, um, say, prayer and evangelism. Um, Let me use that quote, actually, and and let's react to that a little bit. So I'm reading a book called Even If None, Reclaiming Biblical Evangelism by Ryan Denton, and it has a a foreword by Conrad and Bayway, who I just love. Um, The book is recommended by people like Tom Nettles and Justin Peters and things like that. But in the foreword, Uh, Conrad and Bayway wrote, There are two areas of church life that we easily talk about in a very superficial manner, but rarely engage engage in with any meaningful energy. It is the areas of prayer and evangelism. The church prayer meeting is by far the least attended, and the church's evangelistic efforts rarely get any Christians to volunteer. Call Christians out for a social dinner, and you will soon find that it is difficult to even have standing space remaining because the place will be packed. Then call the same Christians for a time of prayer or for some evangelistic activity, and they disappear like snow under a heat wave. And so that kind of jumped all over me yesterday. And and to quote uh, my friend Wes, all he said was, oof, truth. And so what do you think about that statement? I mean, I think it's true. I think we can, I think we do the same thing in the church as, as you're saying that we do, that, you know, I was confessing to a moment ago. Um, in my personal life, is that we we give ourselves credit for praying more than we're actually praying. We talk a lot about prayer. We talk about the importance of prayer, and we, and we should. But then we don't act on it and apply it and obey it as often as we talk about it. Um, I know that that was a change that I felt very convicted about. Again, we even talked about this this morning. Um, convicted by something that was said in one of those morning prayer meetings with, with those men uh, is that we weren't praying on Wednesday nights like we should be and like we used to be. We call that prayer meeting and Bible study, and we've been studying the Bible, mm-hmm. but we haven't been stopping to pray. I sort of pray on the way in that God will bless our study of His Word, and we pray on the way out that God will bring us back safely to worship on the Lord's Day, but there's no time of intercession, of the saints interceding one for another. So last night we, we did something different. I, I cut my lesson in half, um, I only taught for 30 minutes, and then the remainder of the 30 minutes we prayed. And we did that in kind of an unusual format too, but uh, it, it gave it gave people the chance to lead corporately in prayer, I think a lot more than, than those do. Um, but, but we had, again, you know, we had sort of lost sight of, of something we had gathered to do, which was pray. Yeah. And, and I think something you alluded to at the very beginning of our discussion is that... Um, uh, current events in the church, in 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 our church, um, in the world, in politics, 
foreign affairs, all, all, all avenues, right? Um, COVID rearing its ugly head again. Demonstrate to us the necessity of prayer. And I think call our calling all of us to respond in prayer more faithfully than we have been about it. Um, I know that this is not only something that the Lord's been dealing with you about, because I've seen uh, friends of mine on Facebook who were talking about, uh, in fact, I, I saw at least three Instagram posts in the past week of pastors who said, finally did it, got a prayer kneeler for my office. Like they recognized that prayer was something they were neglecting and they wanted to have this piece of furniture that helped them remi- remind them to do this. Um, and, and so they put prayer kneelers in their office. And, and so I think I think the Lord's dealing with a lot of us as American pastors um, about this issue and about the need for it. We, we often say, and we said this in our Fixing Churches episode, mm-hmm. preach and pray. Well, I think I mean, we talk a lot about preaching. I think we've been faithful in that part. Have we really been faithful to pray? Yeah. I mean, that's the reason I, I, I don't want to sort of throw both of us under the bus, but I also certainly don't want to toot our own horn. I, I, want, to, mm-hmm. I, I want to say that we are struggling and, and striving the same as I think anybody would be. And we recognize areas where... Um, we have done this, and we hope that maybe that sets an example, but we also recognize that there are clearly areas where we haven't been as obedient as we should, and we, we hope that that sets an example, too, about being honest. Um, well, I, th- I think that it, you know the premise of that book that I'm reading is about biblical evangelism, but I think you can take one of the principles from it is when, when evangelism is not getting the results that we think we're supposed to be getting, uh, which is it's it's reclaiming biblical evangelism so it's taking that notion away from us but the results that people have been taught to look at is how many people responded that's how you know if you're faithful Uh, and so when we get impatient because no one is responding what ends up happening is we decide to take it in our own hands come up with our own strategies uh, for trying to win souls quote unquote but really just trying to get people attracted to it and make it more palatable and things like that. So we try to start relying on our own strength. I think in the same way, when prayer doesn't have the effect we want it to have, we begin to try to do everything in our own time and do everything in our own way, uh, which is a a sinful thing in my life, obviously, uh, as I was just talking about, is that's a big reason that I've been convicted is because I've been trying to do it my way. Uh, and just relying on my skills and the things that I've been taught, you know, and so. Um, well, I, I would totally agree with that. And I, I think that goes back to something I said a little bit earlier. And, and again, maybe I'm the only one that does this because, you know, I, I get in my head kind of weird. But um, I, anything in your head is weird. Sometimes I find myself, what I'm doing, I call praying. But what I'm actually doing is like meditative day planning. Yeah. Uh, I, my eyes are closed. <laughs> And I'm just thinking through how I'm gonna how I'm gonna strategize the day, which yeah. is not prayer. No, it's not. It's not even close. That's uh, what do they call that brain mapping. I don't. Mapping? I don't know. I think I came up with a pretty good term just a minute ago, but uh, I can't remember it. So I think there's an actual term. <laughs> Meditative day planning. I think yeah. I'm gonna stick with that one. I like it. Um, well, although although it's the, a very bad thing. Yeah, to be I was gonna doing. say you don't like um, it, but I like the you. term. I, I don't like the thing that I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I think the Apostle Paul wrote about that one time. Anyway, um, what was I saying? You were doing that. 
You were planning out your day. Yeah, so I, I think even there, there, there's a reliance on self-sufficiency, self-dependence. It's not actually prayer. It's not actually bringing those burdens before the throne of God. It's saying, hey, God, you, you want to you wanna sort this out together for a while? You want to workshop yeah. this? And I think a lot of times my attitude in prayer, sinfully, is like that. Um, part of that is that my personality to be a worrier, but even that is sinful. It's it's one of the, one of the strictest commands Jesus gave do not worry. Yeah. Don't Um, be anxious. So Paul wrote that somewhere too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Yeah. Okay. that, That peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So in the church and personally, why? Why do we do that? Sin? Uh, so, no, I think, I I think mean, that's good. It Look, really I, is. What I, want, I want to talk about the theological implications and reasons why we do that. And, of course, I think sin is at the root of all of it. So, it's, it's, Well, is this not partly what was happening in the garden? So it's that attempt to be our own God, but acknowledging God like we love him, um, saying, you know, yeah, um, Lord, I want you to bless this day, but really let me handle all mm-hmm. of it. Um, which, by the way, I don't think God blesses that. Right. Um, I think there's some pretty uh, pointed scriptures that have to do with you know a man, uh, you know, planning out everything and telling out what he's going to do, and but the scripture is telling you you need to be sure to say, Lord willing. Uh, you have Proverbs, and you also have the New Testament talking about that same thing, that we have a ton of plans, but it's actually God who ordains the steps. So, um, you know, this this brings me back to Proverbs again. I've, all I've got in my head right now is those Instagram memes, and, <laughs> and, and, and I just I want to write one something to the effect of, uh, maybe the reason you come home and complain about your day is because you started it asking God to bless your day instead of saying, Lord, this day is yours. Well, they, hey, new t-shirt. No, that's not that's t-shirt. too long. That's too t-shirt. long. That's why it's an issue. I don't know. You use the back of the T-shirt. So, I mean, we just put it all the way down the back. Um, as he says, we need more real estate. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, but yeah, it just keeps bringing me back to Proverbs. This has been going through my head is trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So sinful self, self-sufficiency. Yeah. It will, is it not exactly what we were talking about, about men's ministry? Yes. So this is, it's sort of a, a tag to the men's ministry episode that kind of has been a gut punch is the self-sufficiency thing. I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Why do I still struggle with those quote-unquote pet sins? Because I try to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Why am I not praying? Because I'm trying to do everything on my own. Um, and so it's it's just been well, very and, revealing to me. And listen, I think I I know that there's a place for things. And, and Okay, so let's just use the pet sins example. I... I know and believe there to be a good place for and, and that things like covenant eyes and those sorts of things are, are really, yeah. really important. But I think a lot of times we go 
we're counseling with somebody or we go to a men's conference and they're talking about some of those issues about having eyes that are, you know, you, you're going to bounce your eyes. You're not going to, you know, glare. You're not, so you're not going to commit, you know, the lust of the eyes. Et cetera, et cetera. So what, what, what practical steps am I going to take? And the guy's always got to throw in prayer at the beginning, right? But we all just roll our eyes till we get to the practical tips. And, and I think that's... Yeah, give me the website. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of the problem, right? I think that's... I, I and, and again, it's not just in that issue. It's not just in men's issues. It's not just in no. sin's issues. It's in all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray about that. But what, what else do I need to be doing? And there's a place for strategy. There's a place for thinking through things. There's a place for calendaring your day. But... How often are we using those things instead of and just sort of throwing prayer under? Yeah. Because what you're saying, it's just self-sufficiency. It's that same old sin of, I will be the one in charge of my life, thank you, Lord, and and you just bless what I decide to do. Yeah. Clean up on aisle seven. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Fix my messes. Okay. So, so then uh, maybe if that's one side of the theological issue, it's a sin issue. Um. Can I can I push something that may hurt a little more and and say trust on, issue on the other side of theology? No, I, maybe not even that. On the other side of theology, maybe we have a lazy view of the sovereignty of God. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I think that's rampant everywhere. I I was really challenged several years ago when David Platt preached a sermon about Moses interceding for the children of Israel, and he said. I think it was at T for G, but I, I I could be wrong. I wasn't there. I was your, your Southern just came out, by the way. T for G. Um, T for G? T for G. Is it not T for G? T for G. T for G. Sorry. Anyway. Is it not T-I-R-F-E-R-G-E? <laughs> no. T for no, G? Nothing to do with trees, oh. uh, evergreens, none of that. Anyway, where <laughs> were we? Okay, so he's, he's preaching this sermon on Moses, right? Um, interceding for the... For the children of Israel and, and God relenting. And he said, you know, a lot of times that w- he's explaining that we have this this view that there's a, a struggle between the guys who say, oh, yeah, well, God changed his mind because we can change God's mind versus those who would say, no, that's just like anthropomorphism or something. It's God using relatable language in his word. His mind didn't actually change. He had this sovereign plan. And David says, which which is true, and I think we'd all acknowledge it, we just get so caught up in, in fighting the, the theological war that, that we don't actually focus on what's going on. God sovereignly ordained that his servant Moses' prayer would be the means by which he relented. Yeah. So he had planned sovereignly to relent from judging his people, and he had planned sovereignly to do so by answering the prayer of his servant mm-hmm. Moses. And I mean that, kind of like you talked about this quote from that the book hitting you. It, it hit me. What, it, what, what are the ways that God promises to intervene and revitalize our, our, this church? Your prayer. By answering the prayer of his servant. Mm-hmm. What are the ways that God promises to intervene and heal the sick and provide for the poor and, and, and care for my needs? By answering the prayers of his servant. Yeah. So am I being that that praying servant? I think we have a lazy view of the sovereignty of God when we would say, I, I think a lot of times we'd be Moses going, oh yeah, well God's going to relent. If, if that's in his plan, it's in his plan. And he just sort of goes down from the mountain. Yeah. Whereas Moses prays and prays earnestly and prays fervently. Um, listen, Moses was up there hanging out with God. Like I don't think anybody had a higher view of God and his sovereignty ever on the face of the planet than Moses. Mm-hmm. And yet he prays. 
and prays that God would relent from punishing and judging his people. What does it tell you that Jesus spent so much time exactly. in prayer? Exactly. Um, so I, I think we get lazy in our view of God's sovereignty, neglecting very particularly, particularly the reality that God has promised to sovereignly intervene many times through the prayers of his servants. You know, I, I heard a, I think it was a youth leader, one time told the students that the reason Jesus prayed was just to set an example for us. Mm. I think part of it is he wanted to set an example for us, but part of it was because that's part of who he is. He he must commune with the Father. Yeah, I think I think you've got at least three things going on. Yes, and I think you could probably point to the cross as doing yeah. some of the same things. The cross, yes, sets an example of divine love, but that's not all it no, does. It's, it's not it's even also, the chief thing it there's does. There's even right? propitiation and expiation involved in that. So I, I think same thing in prayer. Is he setting an example? Absolutely. But he's also communing with the Father, and he's also interceding for us. So yeah. go back to Moses, right? I mean... Moses, Jesus is the greater Moses, right? Mm -hmm. How does God sovereignly save us through the interceding work of His servant, His Son? Yeah, right. Um, through that, that in, Jesus intercedes for us. We pray in Jesus' name as Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus stands in for us on the cross. In all these ways, God has sovereignly ordained that He would save us, answer our prayers through the intercessory work of his son. Um, I, I, I think I think we neglect that part when we think about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. We talk about God ordaining the means and the end, but then we pray like all he does is ordain the end. Yeah. The means is... We also act that way. The means often includes prayer. Yeah. In fact, God commands for it to. He commands us to pray because he, he acts through the answered prayers of his, his saints. Yeah. So, let's talk about practical things, and maybe let's let's take a zoom out to in sort of version of this. Okay. What are ways we do better about that? What are some practical things we can do to better pray corporately as the church, and then we'll go to individually. Well, corporately as the church, I mean, having scheduled times to pray together, uh, I think is a big one. Now, so we tried something pretty radical last night. It was the first time we yeah. tried it this way. We we brought. Like I said, we divided this, the the Bible study time in half, and and we studied for the first half hour, and we decided we decided and determined we're going to pray for the the next half hour, and we finished a little early because we're not used to doing it again, but but we're going to get used to doing it again and making intercessory prayer for one another as the body of Christ a major component of what we do. I realize you used the term this morning, but I've heard you use it before, that oftentimes those prayer meetings turn into an organ recital. Everybody yeah. just saying what's yes. wrong, what ailments, that. Yeah, organ recital is mama's liver. We tried something last night. I think it'll take a few weeks to really tell how well it works and, and maybe some feedback from some folks that were there. But personally, I thought it worked pretty well. Um, and, and that was that I asked people to volunteer not just prayer requests, but to volunteer to lead in prayer. Yeah, And so I said, if you have a prayer concern that's on your mind and on your heart, I want you to lead us in prayer about that. If you feel that it needs some explanation before you launch into a prayer, then give us a word of explanation, but then you lead us in prayer. The only exception to that being if you're coming and saying, I need prayer for something, then please let us know and we'll ask someone else to, to lift you up in prayer. 
Um, but it worked tremendously well. We had a couple of people ask other people to pray for them, but in large part, it was people lifting up genuine concerns. I think it did several things, one of which was nobody brought up things that were not serious. Nobody wanted just to hear them themselves speak. They wanted to let their brothers and sisters know about a legitimate prayer need mm-hmm. because the only way they were going to talk was if it was important enough to them to lead in prayer. It wasn't just gossip session. Yeah. So I think it helped in that. And yes, I recognize that sometimes that's a legitimate problem. But it is. I also think sometimes we use that as an excuse not to lead in corporate prayer. Well, that's what I was about to say is I think sometimes that people have swung so far theologically, let's say that, of wanting theological excellence. Okay, And we're, we're, we're fine with that. But they want to throw out things that don't need to be thrown out. You you don't need to throw out the gospel presentation in your preaching. You don't need to throw out prayer time just because people misuse it. Uh, just like with gospel presentations. People misuse those all the time. Uh, and they do it in a way that's not God-honoring. And it's, it's quite frankly, um, antithetical to the gospel. But, you know, just because some people use the prayer time as a gossip session doesn't mean you don't need to have it. It means you need to set the example for it uh, of what this should look like. Um, so, yeah, we, we do have to be careful that they don't turn into gossip sessions. And usually that falls on the leader uh, to say, hey, that's we enough shut on that down. subject. Yeah. Um, and even saying something out front is we don't need to know all the information. Just Just tell us what we're praying for. Yeah. Um, so so it helped in that regard. But the other thing that was really cool is that it meant that people who don't normally lead corporately in prayer led corporately in prayer. They had genuine burdens on their heart that they wanted to pray about. And so they were willing to lead their brothers and sisters in prayer because these needs were that important to them. Yeah, And so we got to be led in prayer by some people who, who maybe wouldn't normally. It's interesting you all did that too because... Um, for those who are listening, I do student ministry as well. And so uh, with the students last night, the very first thing we come to in our book together that we're studying is prayer. And I'll be honest, the writers of the book should have just gone to the scriptures to teach you how to pray. It was not well done. Uh, and so I said that at the outset. I said, let's let's pause for a second before we go through this page. Let's uh, Let's cross out whatever they wrote. And let me teach you how to pray using the model prayer to teach them how to pray. Uh, and I know that there are students in there who've probably never prayed in their life. They just don't know how. Um, and so we were able to um, give some instruction on prayer last night for students, which I thought was, um, you know, just something different I've never done in youth before. Um And I think that's going to be helpful because each week now, my goal is to have them pray, but in that model prayer order-ish, I guess, is a way to put it. There's no better words, I guess. But Um, I think for me, another thing that that I have been doing, and and this one's going to be a little weird, but um, I recognize in my own leadership of the pastoral prayer during Lord's Day worship, that it was very it was very much a habit that it was getting to the point where I pretty much prayed the exact same thing every single time. Mm-hmm. 
And so one Sunday I decided, I'm not sure I liked how mm-hmm, how earnest that mm-hmm was, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> because we all do that. Uh, Go to a dinner table at yes. any point, and it doesn't matter if it's fried chicken, they're going to ask it to be a nourishment to our bodies. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so I, I did something different several months back, and that was that I started my prayer differently. Instead of saying, Dear Heavenly Father, which is like just a go-to way to start, I started with, blessed are you, our Lord, our God, yeah, and I our Father. I noticed that. And it, it made me then stop and list some other, or some reasons why he's blessed. Why he is blessed, and why we're exalting him, and worshiping him, and why he is wonderful and good to us, and identify evidences of his grace, and mercy, and love toward us. It made me stop and reflect on those things, and get out of my pattern. Now... In a few months' time, that'll become a pattern too. And then I may change it up again. But I heard someone start a prayer like that, um, or similar to that. And I thought, I'm going to try that. And when I did, it so like shook me out of the normal habit of prayer that I was, I was being more faithful to think about what I was praying mm-hmm. and be more intentional about it. And, and I, think, I think that that's helpful... Certainly, I know it's helpful for me personally. I, I, my prayer is that it's also helpful in that uh, aspect of pastoral prayer where we likewise are setting an example. The pastoral prayer does a lot, but one of the things, like we said with Jesus' prayer, setting an example is not the most important thing the pastoral prayer does, but it is a it. thing the pastoral yeah. prayer does. And I hope that maybe it set an example of this isn't just rote. This isn't just doing the same thing every single time. Um, now, a lot of the subject matter is the same. We're going to pray for the same things, that he would be exalted in our worship, that he would focus our attention, that he would be with those who aren't with us that morning in Lord's Day worship. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the same themes come back up. But at least for me, that sort of shook me out of the normal pattern. And, and I realize I'll have to change it up again um, or I'll fall into the pattern with just different words this time. Let's talk personally. Um, okay. What are some things you do personally to focus in on personal prayer? Well, uh, one of the big things that's happening now is designating the time for it and and not letting that be interrupted. Mm -hmm. Uh, The big thing about that is I'm not making a big deal about it. Uh, I'm not going to the secretary and saying, listen, I'm doing this, this, this. this." I just go to the prayer room where people can't find me. And I, I think Jesus wrote about that. Yeah, and I turned the said something about that. Turned the phone off for just a few minutes, you know, mm-hmm. however long I need to be in there. And I take my Bible with me. Um, because one of the things that I do is if I have something on my mind specifically that I'm wanting to pray about, I have been turning to a, a passage that tells me whatever God's promise is for that so that I can focus on his promise. Um, and then spend a lot of time, you know, reading that, but then praying uh, and trying to do it according to that model, you know, mm-hmm. of exalting the Lord. Um, you know, there's that time of, of repentance and, and just confessing sin and, and asking for forgiveness there. But then there's also you know, different needs in my life and in the, in the lives of others. And I just follow along that that pattern um and so just designating time and and see last night we ran into an issue where we had 
someone say, well, I just don't have time. I have homework. I have sports. I have, and I said, wait a second. So reevaluate the things you're spending your time doing, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of my time, I do play video games from time to time, sometimes to excess, which I have to cut out. Um, But reevaluating what you're doing with your time, basically being a good steward of your time is going to help a lot. Mm -hmm. And designating that time, don't let it be interrupted, and making sure to keep that time uh, sacred, for lack of better words. Um, Yeah. Um, one of my pretty, as far as designated the time, one of my designated times of, of prayer individually is, um, Sunday mornings before I I go into the sanctuary and I have found that a change in posture is helpful. I I would imagine you're doing the same thing in, in the prayer room, the prayer chapel. Um, I have a spot in my office where I kneel Mm -hmm. and changing that posture changes my focus. I think when I pace and I pace when I think. So if I were just to pace around my office, I would end up rehearsing what I'm going to say in the sermon. And instead I kneel by the chair and, uh, and, and pray for what's about to happen and for the people who are coming in. You know, I always found that to be a, a helpful thing. So posture in worship is a, is a big thing. Scripturally speaking, it's, it's huge. But my father-in-law, whenever he, preaches now right now he's had a hip replacement so I don't know if he'll be able to do this now or anymore but um, his his pulpit is that cross shaped pulpit mm-hmm. uh, he would end the prayer the same way nearly every week but he meant it if that makes sense but he would kneel behind it and he would say hide me behind the cross every week and that was intentional but you know I would keep my eyes open during the prayer as a teenager and watch him kneel during the prayer, and that was the first person I'd ever really seen kneeling consistently that wasn't in the midst of like a emotional summer camp moment. Hmm. Um, he just consistently kneeled before he preached every week. Um, and so I, I do think that, that kneeling, that humility, that, that posture of prayer is very important. Uh, there will be people who disagree with me, but I don't, yeah, whatever. But... I do believe it to be important, and you're right. You know, if you go in the prayer room here, we do have a, a kneeler. So uh, I don't sit on the couch. I go to the kneeler um, because, I mean, it, again, it's that posture of desiring to be humble, right? And, and my heart is so often not, but desiring to be humble, desiring to bow before the king, uh, approaching the throne boldly but with humility. And so I, I do find that to be very helpful. Um, another thing as far as focus for me uh, that, that has been helpful, and I, I've done this for years, um, is to journal my prayers during my quiet time in the morning. Yeah, I find that it keeps my mind from wandering near as much when I'm writing down what I'm praying. So mm-hmm. like word for word, it, it looks like a Dear Heavenly Father letter. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's silly stuff. Sometimes it's just stuff I've got to do throughout the day. But instead of just thinking through those things and ending up, um, you know, meditative day planning, um, yeah. I, I, I'm writing out those words so, so that it is focused, intentional prayer. That also means it's going slow, more slowly. So um, You were going to say slowlier. No, I, I was going to say slower, which is also a word. But anyway, um, 
it, it just makes me be more focused and intentional. You know what I'm saying? I would it, like, it doesn't allow my mind to wander near as much. I wish I could read your prayer journal in about November, December, maybe early January, uh, to see if there's any Lord help me get a deer today. I just like to see that. I know it's in there, isn't it? Lord, help me catch some fish today. Um, Probably. (laughs) I think you know because you're smiling a lot. Um, Especially when I go to Oklahoma, man. That's a long drive not to come back with something. Help me get the big one. (laughs) That's a long drive not to come back with antlers. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, any final thoughts? Uh, Not that. I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. We've got lots to pray about for sure. Again, everything going on in the world, in the church. Um, let's be faithful to do it. 